Welcome to Horror Hideout. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Peyton. You always do that. And I'm Peyton. So sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. So sorry, it's not enough. It is not enough. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm drained. Oh, I'm filled. We've been building a fence. Mainly Peyton. Mm. I cleaned up a lot of mud, though. Yes, you did. I'm good at cleaning. I can clean. Kenzie got some in her pants. She had mud butt. Oh my gosh. I probably did. <laughs> Anything cool happen? I'm sunburned. I know. You need to wear sunscreen. I know. I am hey, an you. esthetician and I have to get after him all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah. sunscreen. Did the esthetician wear sunscreen? No, but did I burn? Oh. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it's based on whether you burn or not. <laughs> well, I went outside and Peyton was, he's like, come out and see the progress. So I go out. And then he was like shoveling. We only had one shovel. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, nothing, just go inside. And then finally I grabbed a hose and I'm like, well, I got to do something. But it did go by faster with me out there. Like, I can't imagine how long it would have taken if you were just out there with your shovel by yourself. Yes, but that doesn't excuse the fact that other master estheticians listening to this are I like, know. she went out and did what? Like I said, it's I did- not what she did. It's what she didn't do. <laughs> Which was not put sunscreen with two active ingredients. Do you know how many... Zinc oxide and... Yes. I'm like the person that stands at like the sunscreen aisle and I sit and read the ingredients in the back. Only to not wear it. Yeah. No, I do. I wore it. But you didn't today. Okay. One day. Yep. But... Oh my goodness. Just... Hey, last time we were... To all the male listeners out there, take a moment. Take a moment. This is a win for all you. I dedicate this win to all of you. (laughs) This one's for you, Carlos. This one's for you. No, but last time we were at Walmart, because I, like, feel weird reading, like, the stuff. Even, like, going, like, down the food aisle and, like, looking at, like, I don't, like, analyze ingredients, but I like to look at, like, the protein and stuff because I'm trying to eat more protein. So I look at the macros and stuff, but then I feel weird doing that. Like, it just feels unnatural. Yeah, sometimes I walk into Walmart and I'm like, look at that lady reading the ingredients. Who is she? But last time we went to Walmart and I was doing that with sunscreen, another lady was. I'm like, yes. Yes. Maybe she was an esthetician too. But I'm sure she didn't wear it either. It is funny though because I feel like a lot of people who do like aesthetics or hair or whatever they are like a do what I say but not what I do type of person. That's interesting. I'm good most of the time. I think I might be in the whatever category that you just mentioned. I'm not exactly sure how yet. The do what I doing? <laughs> follow, follow me. Oh, man. <laughs> Future Kenzie will listen to this and be like, Ugh, I'm so dumb. Well, that's the beauty of the edit button. I'm like, um, yep, embarrassing. Bye. Trying to think if we have anything cool to talk about. Um, I finished two horror themed like thriller books. So I read Into the... Did I talk about Into the Sublime? I don't think I did mm-hmm. last time. Is that the one with Rome? Mm. Keep going. <laughs> Into the Sublime. It's kind of like... Okay, I've never seen... What is that movie called? Oh my gosh, where they go into like a cave or a tunnel or something. Like the, the Descent? I've never seen The Descent. Isn't that like a Disney thing? No, that's a Descendants. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, The Descent. Remember, you said you've seen The Descent or... Well, you've heard of it. It's the one where, like, those two girls go down into, like, that cave. I'm totally butchering this. And something happens. It's, like, a very claustrophobic movie. Mm. Never seen it, but I feel like this book would be that. So this book makes me want to watch that. Very, like, witchy. Like, they're going to look for, like, this witch and there's, like, this lake. And it can, like... I thought it was about a cave, though. Well, they have to go into a... The lake is in a cave. So they have to go down into this cave and go deep down, and then there's this lake, and it, like, grants powers. I'm confused. I thought you haven't seen this. No, I haven't. This is the book that oh, I read. Oh, I thought we were still talking about The Descendants. <laughs> no, I said it, The Descendants. <laughs> I said it reminds me of that, mm. but I've never seen The Descent, but it, like, gives me the same vibe, like, when I, I don't know, maybe it's just the cover. But anyway, that one's really good, and then I also finished, what did I just finish? My brain. I've read five, almost five books this month. So my brain is like, crap, what did I read that was horror? Oh, Cabin at the End of the World. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to read that so that we could watch Knock at the Cabin. So I finally watched that and then we were able to watch Knock at the Cabin. 
which we'll talk about in our letterbox recap, but that movie was good. I really liked it. I heard a lot of people that didn't like it, and I kind of see why, like with the ending and stuff. Because it's directed by M. Night Shyamalan. What do you think the best M. Night movie is and the worst? Signs. Signs is the best? Absolutely. What's the worst? Probably Signs. What? That <laughs> no. makes zero sense. Uh, I think, well, I haven't seen a lot of them. Um, I want to see The Happening. Let's see. Hold on. Let me Google M. Night. Shamalalamam. I would say my favorite. Ooh, that's hard. I like feel like I have to say The Sixth Sense just because it's a classic. That's your least favorite? No, favorite. Oh. But I kind of, okay, I'm like in the minority with this, but I really like The Visit. What about Old? Ew, I hate Old. That's the worst. Well, yeah. Okay. Worst M. Night Shamalamalamalam ever. Except I want Peyton to watch it because I'm like, I don't know. I watched it on like one of those recorded cam versions. So I'm like, maybe if I give it, no, I'm not going to like it. According to Google, which has to be accurate, he has only, he has only uh, three, six, nine, 12, 13, 14 movies. I can do my times only? tables, everyone. That's like a lot though. Um, I've not seen Praying with Anger. Have not seen Wide Awake. I'm Wide Awake. Uh, not seen Lady in Water. He did After Earth with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. That's probably most people's least favorite then. Uh, then there's Split, Glass, oh, which are the sequels of so good. Unbreakable. Ooh, I'd probably put Split as my favorite with The Sixth Sense. What about like, I don't know, it's hard. Like Signs is my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. But is but... it because it's like classic and it's like you watched when you were a kid? Do you think that's I why? still watch that movie and I love it. However, it might have the dumbest twist out of all of them. But what I'm saying is, like, you know how movies when you watch when you're younger and it just kind of has, like, a place in your heart where you're like, okay, I love this and appreciate it? Like, that's how I am with, like, It, the miniseries. But, like, it's not amazing. Like, I mean, Tim Curry is, but, like, the second part is not great. But, it like, I freaking love it still. So I kind of feel like Signs in the Sixth Sense fits into that category, you know? Where it's, yeah. like, nostalgic. Sixth Sense was 1999. Signs was 2002. So same kind of era. Old was just horrible. Like, the dialogue and the way that people, like, said things. Like, the script was horrible. The way they executed the dialogue was horrible. The pacing was horrible. Like, just everything about it. Like, the whole premise of the movie was great and it had, like, promise. But, like, poor execution. And sometimes I feel like he... has to make like a big twist because a lot of his movies have that big twist you know but i'm like you don't always need the big twist uh, maybe he's just trying to you know recreate the sixth sense probably uh i don't know why we're talking about m night though oh wait because knock at the cabin well out with the old and in with the new horror news of the week oh wait times guess what i was like this close to buying captain spaulding like a few weeks ago remember that like, yeah. I literally had him in my cart, and then I, like, kind of researched, because he's been, like, 150 or more. No, I think he's 199 right now. And I saw, like, I typed his name into Amazon, and he popped up, and it was 25 bucks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to jump on this. But it was, like, one of those, like, out-of-the-country ones that are fake. And I'm like, ah. Like, people wouldn't know it's fake, but, like, I would know it's fake. Out-of-country is such a freaking political way of saying Chinese. Well, I don't know where it was made. I just know it's like a knockoff. Okay. Everything's made in China. Okay, but I'm just saying. If it's assembled in Japan, they bought it from China. Mm. Just so you know. Well, I feel like I would know that it was a knockoff, so I'd be like, aww. I probably just, I don't know. I'd still love it, but I'll just wait. Anyway, continue. Uh... Horror news of the week. We need like a little jingle, like... About this. Horror news of the week. <laughs> if you like that, make sure you comment on it. Uh, horror news of the week. I have not made a wiener joke so far, um, but stay tuned. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Bird Box Barcelona just came out uh, July 14th, so that was last weekend, um, and I believe that was on Netflix. That's Netflix original, right? Mm-hmm. No, I think so. Pretty sure it is. Isn't the uh, other Bird Box a Netflix original? I think so. 
I kind of, like, we started watching, or we did watch Renfield last night, and I forgot about this one, and it popped up, like, right after we started the movie, and I'm like, oh, I kind of would rather watch Bird Box Barcelona, but then I loved Renfield. we watched that on Peacock. So, was Bird Box on Peacock? No, it's on Netflix, but I was looking on my phone at, like, my letterbox, and I remembered that this came out, so I was like, Oh. oh, dang, but then I really liked the other movie we watched, so it worked out. I see. Well, this one's a little bit different. Um, so obviously the first one had uh, what's her face? Um, American Horror Story. No. It did have her. Oh no! Wait. Yeah. Wait, but her sister was certainly the girl not that... Jodie Foster. No, but the girl, her sister was Sandra Bullock. Sandra her Bullock. sister was on American Horror Story. Remember? Yeah. And she. Mm-mm, no mm. spoilers. Yes. Okay. Continue. So. Anyway, Sandra Bullock, uh, which, for the record, I know who she is. <laughs> so after a mysterious force decimates the world population, Sebastian must. That's not. That's not. Uh, <laughs> I already forgot her name. <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Oh my gosh! Sebastian, Obviously. who's not Sandra Bullock, must navigate his own survival journey through the desolate streets of Barcelona. Is that in uh, the Caribbean? Hmm. As Barcelona. He f- it's in Spain. Oh, as he... Uh. Do you know why I know that? Because of the Cheetah Girls. Oh, my gosh. They go to Barcelona. Cheetah sisters. Yeah. He forms an uneasy alliance with other survivors, and they try to escape the city. An unexpected and even more sinister threat grows. Um, I believe this one is in Spanish, and it will have English dub. Yep. We're going to have to watch this, like, mm. this week. Um, If you've seen it, head over to our Instagram and let us know how it is and how you it can compares. even watch it tonight. You want to watch it tonight? Right after this podcast? People be like, what what do they do? We got to go to the splash pad. What are these? Oh, I'm not going to the splash pad. I'm fried, woman. Get in the water. No, it's going to make it worse. Sunscreen. I'm capped. Remember my sunscreen after our fishing trip? How bad that was? I like woke up in the middle of the night almost crying. It was so bad. Yeah, I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night crying if I go back outside. Next up is Cobweb. This movie looks so good. Do you remember this trailer that I showed you? Nope. It has Janice Ian from Mean Girls. Uh, this one comes out Friday. I don't know if it's going to theaters. I don't, like, you never know nowadays. Do you remember when movies would, like, release a trailer and you know every trailer that comes out was going to be in theaters? And now it's, like, streaming on Peacock, streaming on Max, streaming on Netflix. It's just, like, I can't keep up. I don't know. I'm assuming this will probably go to streaming, though. But this one's about a little eight-year-old boy, and he's plagued by a mysterious constant tapping from inside his bedroom wall. And his parents keep assuming that it's just his imagination and almost gaslighting him, it seems like, through the trailer. And it just gets worse and worse. And then he starts to believe that his parents could be hiding a terrible, dangerous secret and questions their trust. Ooh, so this is kind of like Goodnight Mommy, but instead of, uh, like, not thinking it's the the mom, they distrust the parents because of cobwebs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, this one has Janice Ian from Mean Girls, which is really cool because... It'd be fun to see her as, like, a sinister role, you know? Is that uh, Gretchen? No, she was the, like, Gretchen gothic Wieners? girl who, like, wanted Katie oh. to do... Remember, there's, like, Damien and her, and they want her to go and pretend to be? And then she's like, you dirty whore, or whatever she says. I don't remember. Yeah, that one looks really good, actually. That's probably, like, the next movie I'm the most excited for. There's really not a lot of, like, good movies coming out until like october some movies don't even look good at all like the haunted mansion oh my gosh you know what though i am like such a sucker for like the classics or the original that i just i don't know i don't know how i feel about this the first one was awful i love the Eddie Murphy one you didn't finish Mm-mm. do we watch it together like no, recently I'm pretty sure i was running on a treadmill at a gold's gym <laughs> But I'm pretty sure that I, like, started watching this with the kids and you were, like, in and out of a nap or something. Uh, I don't think so. Well, this one comes... Maybe I was napping. This one comes out July 28th on Disney+. And it just seems like it's the... I'm assuming it's the same storyline. I don't know. Yeah, because the first, the Eddie Murphy one, they all moved into that house and then all that stuff happened. And this one, they feel like they have supernatural squatters, so... Hmm. I wonder if they'll change the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney at all after this. Kind of like add. As if squatters weren't the thing, you know, supernatural ones. <laughs> what? 
Love me a supernatural squatter. (laughs) I I thought you were like segueing into like the next movie. I'm like, what does that have to do with Saw? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of squatters, Saw X. I'm so excited for Saw X. The trailer comes out on July 28th. So at the very end of the month, I am so pumped. I was wondering when we were going to get a trailer because we got Five Nights at Freddy's, which comes out in October, and Saw X comes out in October. So I'm like, they have to release a trailer soon, and we're getting it at the end of the month. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. John Kramer's coming back. I believe Saw X is taking place between Saw 2 and Saw 3, which will be really cool because you have like Saw 2 where Amanda, you find out that she was like helping John Kramer. She wasn't really part of the game. So it'll be kind of cool to see like the transition from this to the third movie where the third movie is the one where um, Lynn is having two sex. What? She has to like cut his brain open. Yeah. She's like performing like brain surgery on him and she has to keep him alive and everything. So it'll be kind of cool to see like in between there and how things went on. And maybe we'll get more backstory on how she like really teamed up with him. I know we get a little bit, but... I love Saw. I will, they can make, like, Saw 20, and I'm going to watch it. Interesting. You know what's sad, though, mm. that you won't think is sad? Chucky TV series is postponed filming. No. I feel like everything's getting postponed. Stranger Things, postponed. I was listening to C3 Films on YouTube. And That's he, Chris, right? Yeah. He thinks that um, they at least have six episodes filmed, so... He's like, they could release, like, those, like, the part one, you know, and then film later. But I don't know because actors are on strike right now, too, so I don't know how that works. Well, the Field Actors Guild might, uh, you know, be pissed about that. Well, I don't know if they can, like, release stuff. I know if they do release stuff, they can't promote anything. So I don't know how that works, like, if you can release anything. I mean, obviously, movies are coming out right now. Mm -hmm. That's so sad, though, because, like, what's a big movie that's coming out? soon i mean i wouldn't really consider i mean disney haunted mansion disney is like its own thing i don't know but like by the time october comes like five nights at freddy is like josh hutcherson not gonna be able to like talk about his movie and he i feel like he hasn't been in anything big in so long so that would suck i'm so excited for that movie that song is in my head right now like i literally like those songs get stuck in your head and even if you're like busy doing stuff it's like playing in the back of your mind the whole time I read Into the Sublime, I literally had Five Nights at Freddy's song in my head the entire time. It was like almost like a background soundtrack Sheesh. to what I was reading, but it kind of like it kind of fit the eeriness. Sounds awful. I'm sleeping Five Nights at Freddy's song in my head. Well, speaking of Insidious. <laughs> You're such a dad. I had some good dad jokes lately. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, do you care to share with the class? No, I can't think of them, but mm, they must have been really Matt good. would agree with me, right, Matt? No, I'm just kidding. I don't remember, but I feel like I've been like on, like on cue. I'm sure they're really and good. And Peyton gets offended. He's like, that's my job. Yeah, it is my job. Did you hear that, Matt? You are such a freaking dad. Well, thank you. I've known that for eight years now. No, I was just thinking about it today. <laughs> I was, no, I was just thinking about how... We were like, you texted me yesterday and you're like, are the sprinklers on right now? I'm like, yeah. You're like, that's so cool. Cause he like learned how to do it through his phone. It's on an app guys. We've had our house for three years and we finally have it on the app. And he's like, so amazed. I just think of my dad. He was always like working out on the sprinkler Yep. or mowing lawns. Anyway, obviously by the title of this episode, we finally saw Insidious, the red door. Well, mm-hmm. I guess we saw it just a few days after it came out. And you know what's funny? I mean, we'll get to it, but I mean, whatever. But I heard so many negative reviews about this movie. So I went into, and I even told Peyton, I usually don't like to tell him if I've heard negative stuff because I don't want him to get it in his head. But I told him anyway. So we go to this movie and it was freaking good. Uh, At face value? Are we, this is a spoiler, right? spoiler. At face value, this was the best Insidious Mm-hmm. I, I like this one the best out of all. And of them. how? <laughs> Granted, and how? What's we, that on Full House? We haven't seen uh, the fourth and third and fourth one, which aren't really relevant to the story. So we're gonna be talking about 
the first, the second, and the red door. The Lambert family. I'm pretty sure we watched the third, like, years ago, but I don't think we really were paying attention. Like, I think it was one of those where you turn on the movie and you're just kind of doing other stuff, you know? Wait, where's where's Adam? Adam. Is he, is he not one of the one of the characters in the... Who the hell is Adam? Adam Lambert. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> I've been on a movie quote kick, too. We went fishing, and I quoted a movie, like, after everything I said, or after everything Peyton said, and it went, like, perfectly. Basically, every time Kenzie talked, which was nonstop for eight hours, she quoted a movie. No. That was so mean. (laughs) You love it. I do love it. You're just mad because I outfished you. Oh, I love it when you outfish me. Anyway, let's dive into Insidious. We're going to kind of talk about all the three like the three movies i like keep considering this like the third just because it like lines up with the first two but we're going to talk about all the insidiouses that take place with the lambert family you heard it from horror hideout podcast first everyone it is the insidious trilogy (laughs) the other two do not count no i'm just kidding well there's like the star wars saga you know or like the star wars trilogy and then you have Rogue One. Well, okay, you know how we've seen this Han now? Solo. <laughs> now that we've seen this, we... Obi-Wan I, Kenobi. Oh my, I'm going to throw my salsa at you. Anyway. Mandalorian, last one. Um, Now that we've seen this one, though, we can... Cons- I can like, I'm going to count it as my one of my favorite horror franchises now. To go back to Billy's question, like, two episodes ago, and last episode that we were talking about it, but official i feel like i counted it then but now i really can count it so we're gonna dive back into the first insidious which came out in 2010 how many years ago was that that was 13 years ago okay, i'm like it's i cannot math right now that's math up <laughs> that should be like the easiest math too because it's by tens plus three so we have the lambert family and They move into this new house and everything seems fine and dandy. And then Dalton ends up falling on a ladder and kind of like he's fine after, but then he kind of dives into this coma and they like no doctors can figure out what's going on. And how many months went by? Because we were like, holy crap, I didn't realize that much time went by. I think a couple months. It's like three or something. Mm -hmm. We're like, holy crap, he's been in. I always call it the, what do I call it? The nether. The nether. Because of Minecraft. He's in the Minecraft nether. The further. So he's stuck in the further. But Josh, the dad, his mom starts to kind of get involved because she's familiar with all of this. Why are you smiling at me? (laughs) Remind me at the end of Insidious Chapter 2 that I'm smiling at you. It's really important. Okay. Mental note. Yes. Um, Now I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Okay. So... Josh's mom is very familiar with all this because Josh experienced this as a kid. Why are you laughing at me? I can't hold it in. Okay, just tell me. Well, at some point in in Insidious Chapter 2, which I don't want to jump ahead too quick, Josh was bad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Josh Josh now good. (laughs) If you can name that movie, I'll send you a pencil. You'll send what? Or you'll be a friend. What did you say you'll send? You'll have to listen to find out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie too. Um, <laughs> Josh now bad. 90s kids will appreciate Josh that. Josh now good. Uh, yeah, name that name that movie and I'll send you a pencil. So anyway, going back to Insidious chapter one. What kind of pencil? Doesn't matter. We gotta stay on subject here. Okay. And then they bring in Lynn Shay's character, Elise, which oh, she's such iconic. I love her. I was like, they better freaking bring her into Insidious the Red Door, which we knew she would, but we'll get to that. Um, she comes in and, like, explains everything about the further, and, um, Renee, the mom, is very, like, intrigued by everything, because she's like, okay, none of this medical diagnosis makes sense. There's nothing wrong with him. He should be totally fine. So this makes sense. I feel like you almost, like, grasp onto any, like, anything you can get that has answers, you know? But then Josh is very skeptical and like, no, you're crazy. Get out of my house. Kicks them out. And then weird things keep happening, so then they bring her back in, and then she puts on the anteater mask. Hot. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy one of those. Then they fart in it. Ew. Well, it's a gas mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, This is where it gets a little zany. Peyton. It is a word. Could you just perking right up? Um, <laughs> Perk a system. Yeah, so then everything starts to happen, and they decide that the only way to save Dalton is to go into the further, so Josh goes in to help him. And what... That's that's where Josh now bad? (laughs) No, Josh is still good. Okay. (laughs) We're not quite there. (laughs) So he goes into the further, and then that's where we meet the red-faced demon, which, okay, I have a question. I'm going to put a poll on this episode if you're on Spotify, but do you call the red-faced demon the red-faced demon... Or do you call it the lipstick demon? Because I've seen both. And I call him Darth Maul. That's true. <laughs> but I've never seen the lipstick demon before. And now I've seen it so many times since this new one came out. And I'm like, am I just missing something? Because I thought he was the red face demon because his face was like fire. That just makes more sense. But go answer the little poll thing and let us know. But then Josh ends up going in there and saving Dalton. And he gets sidetracked by the old woman that's been haunting him since he was a child. And then he comes out. And Is she a woman, though? Well, no, but oh, okay. then he comes out and she, you know, you think everything's fine and dandy until Elise takes a picture of him and he strangles her to death because he is not Josh. He is now the grandma. No, <laughs> I was waiting for your Josh now bad. Oh, yeah. Josh now bad. Um, yeah, so it ends up being that he's now possessed by this creature. And then it ends with the mom gasping. And I remember seeing this in theaters and I was like, no, like ultimate cliffhanger. Which is funny because now I kind of appreciate movies. Like even if I watched this back, if, I wa- if this came out now and I watched it, I'd kind of appreciate like the open-ended thing. Like, oh my gosh, what does she see? Like, what could it be? You know, like making your own conclusion. But back then I was like pissed. I'm like, need to know what happens. And we had to wait three years to get any information because it took three more years for chapter two to come out. Which do you want to take over? So chapter two starts exactly where it ended. And the, who's the lady? Lorraine? Um, no. The, wait, which one? The anteater lady. Elise. Elise. Lorraine, you always think Warren. You always get conjuring mixed up with. Anyway, uh, Elise basically died um within within that that moment because uh, at the very end of the movie she realized that there was something off and she uses the digital camera in the room to take a picture in which it's the uh you know grandma lady so anyway she dies and then she's in like the uh the further and she's she's aware that josh is there and so basically after this happens it's almost like a little piece of Josh is still there. Like he almost tries to to like hide away in the body like the demon does. Uh, and like a little normal piece of Josh says, let's move on from this. Let's like, you know, live in our happy family. So they move out of that house into a different house. He just seems to be very dismissive over everything. You know, and the mom's obviously torn about everything. I mean, like it was a really big deal for her. Kind of hard to write that off. And he just seems to be like not connected to her at all like they they don't really have a strong relationship uh again he's very dismissive um but it's almost like when he has like these moments where he's looking in the mirror and it's like the demons like communicating to him but he like he's like reluctant to do certain things it's almost like he has a little bit of willpower mm-hmm. uh that i was a little confused about because josh is like completely in the further when this happens so i'm wondering why josh is like get out of my head like i don't want to do this and stuff no I'm- he was doing it because his mom was still controlling him in a way. So his mom is like the lady oh. in the white dress. So he's like arguing with her. That makes like, sense. Okay. So definitely... she like at one point comes into the house to like, she's kind of haunting them. Like she walks by in her white dress. Yeah. So it's him because he's like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that makes a lot more sense. So anyway, the the mom starts to pick up that it's not really him. And, uh, and while they're... They, they go to a specialist that was a friend with Elise who helps them investigate. Carl. Yeah, Carl. Uh, and they, they kind of investigate, you know, a little bit of the background of of the uh, of the demon's history and stuff. And that's kind of how they conclude that it's really not Josh. Josh is still there, uh, which 
it's kind of cool because this movie actually uses a lot of scenes from the first movie to kind of connect them. Um, it's almost like a like a different point of view. For example, there's a, like a random scene where when the mom says we need to show you footage from when you know Josh was a kid um, of how he you know astral projected or something like that. Is that what it was called? Astral projection. Mm-hmm. And he like in the middle of a conversation he like stands up and like points at a door and the door opens and they don't really know why uh that happened only for that to come to light at the end of the movie and it's like it's almost like when they're in the further they there's no sense of time so they kind of went to the past in order to gain some knowledge in order to figure out how to get out of the further which they do successfully that's what i like about it too though because it's not only bouncing like it does bounce back to like the first movie and like things that happened and it shows that like josh was making that thing happen like when the door someone's at the door and the alarm goes off and all of that kind of stuff but i like that it also goes back like you said to when he is a kid Mm -hmm. like i just love all the connections and i think that's why this was my favorite for so long well it's just it was it was unique right and the so like the first insidious is uh dalton's haunting uh mostly uh, and then the second movie is uh, Josh's haunting. So um, and, and a little bit of Dalton's as well. Like it still has the demon with the red door and stuff. That movie basically ends. They end up getting out just just in time. And, and like like in the nick of time too. Josh basically the possessed version of him breaks into a room and is so close to murdering the wife and the kids. Uh, which really mortified them, and so they decided to use uh, hypnosis to to clear their minds of those memories. And this is kind of where the second movie ends. So we learned at the very beginning of Insidious: The Red Door that the mom didn't use the hypnosis; she was aware of everything, and I think it really plagued her throughout the years. So that ended up making Josh and Renee. Mm-hmm. Uh, they separated. That's why I was always confused, though. Like, why? They didn't have her hypnotized too, but I guess it kind of makes sense so that at least someone in the family, like if stuff did happen, they would be aware and know what's going on. If they were all clueless, they're screwed. Yep. But even in the first movie, like young Josh, his mom didn't suppress her memories. So mm-hmm. it kind of is like you're carrying that burden and like, yeah. So Insidious the Red Door starts with uh, the mother's funeral. They're at the mother's funeral and, you know, it's 10 years later. So Josh's mom. Yeah, Josh's mom. So the kids are now older. There's clearly a disconnect between the kids and the dad. Um, They seem to, you know, be more connected to the mom. Basically, as this funeral is ending, the son's going to be going to college. And the dad's trying to find ways to like, you know, somewhat be involved. And but he's he's very aware. He's like self-aware that he's cloudy, right? Like he, he knows that there's something wrong with him. It starts to talk about his dad, like it's almost like he blames his dad and like the lack of connection with him uh, for, you know, plaguing him and making him feel like he couldn't really have a connection with his son. So it's almost like he's like reluctantly forcing himself to like put himself out there and and be part of Dalton's life. And so he he ends up talking Dalton into letting him drive him to this uh, college. It's like a liberal arts college. And um, when they drop him off on basically the first day of campus you know the the dad's like hey you should join a fraternity like i was in one and he's the son's like you obviously don't even know who i am and you don't know anything about me they kind of get into an argument and they just kind of in the heat of the argument they just they just stop talking and the dad just leaves and you can tell he's he's pretty hurt by it and dalton dalton has this female roommate uh with whose name is chris and it seemed to have been an accident. Like, it's not supposed to be a co-ed dorm. Uh, is it a co-ed dorm? No. Well, I don't think so. Well, she lives upstairs, though. She yeah. ends up moving upstairs. So I, maybe it was just, like, the rooms aren't supposed to be co-ed. But it happened because her name's Chris, which is usually a guy name. So. Gotcha. Well, do you want to take over right here from the dorm? Yeah. So. <laughs> is that really weird? Like, yeah. yeah. I sounded nervous. Sure thing. <laughs> You can do this, Ken's. <laughs> I got this. Um, she ends up saying, like, okay, I'm going to have to stay here for tonight. Like, she goes to talk with the dorm people. She's like, they can get me a new room tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. I 
really liked Chris's character. I heard some negatives of people not liking, like, the added, like, comedic relief because the other two Insidious movies, they have, like, a little bit with, like, Specs and Tucker, but, like, not a lot. And I feel like this one had a lot more with, like, her... Just, like, but I don't feel like it took you out of the movie at all. No, I don't think so. Like, you were, I still was, like, on edge or, like, what's gonna happen, but... Well, because Dalton's definitely in pain. Like, it, it doesn't really clear clear up immediately why he's so antisocial and, like, he's just, he just, he just looks sad. Yeah, and, and I think... And then she's, like, she's, like, the opposite of him. It'd be hard to see Dalton like that the entire movie. Like, I feel like it would kind of bring us down as viewers, but for her to kind of, like bring a little bit of sunshine to his world and you get to kind of see that little speck of like okay he's okay so yeah so the first majority of the movie honestly is them trying to remember what happened from their past because he keeps getting like these glimpses of like visions and memories especially in his artwork uh his teacher like had them count down which i mean at the end of the movie that's how they suppress their memories it's and almost so like, like reverse hypnosis, right? Yeah. Like, so he's in the the art class, and did and they... she she's trying to get them to dig deep into into themselves and find something that's really meaningful, and that's kind of what clicks in him. You know what would have been cool? You know how when they were suppressing the memories, they counted down from ten. It would have been cool if it was opposite, like the teacher like counted up from ten. Mm. You know, to kind of like the reverse thing. That would have been cool. So, yeah, he's just kind of getting glimpses here and there of everything. So then he has his art class, and the memories start becoming more vivid, and he starts drawing this, like, door. Well, he doesn't know it's a door yet, but he's just scribbling, and, like, to the point where he's just going so intensely at it that, like, a hand comes out, grabs him, he ends up cutting his finger on this painting, and I think that's when he kind of snaps back to reality and is like, okay, what, what the hell? So it's like, that's like kind of the first glimpse we get. So then he brings that home. It's so funny in movies like this, though, where stuff like that happens, but they still kind of like move on with life. Like if a hand grabbed me out of a picture or like something like that happened where I was so like out of touch with my body and stuff, I feel like I would freak out. I'd probably go home, honestly, but. I like how the teacher asks him to, she walks by and sees the door and says, um, are you trying to keep something out or in or something? Yes, I liked that. And he doesn't even know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then him and or Chris decides that they should go to that frat party just to kind of like honor his dad. Like, hey, like do it for your dad. So they go and there's some kind of connection. I don't know exactly the whole motive behind the frat house and the demon or the ghost that was there. While all this is happening with Dalton, Josh is also going through something and he's being haunted by this man that he doesn't know. And so he's been going to doc to a doctor to see, like, maybe it's like a brain injury. Maybe he has some form of cancer. So he's in the MRI machine. And that was like probably the best jump scare of this whole movie. There was a lot of good jump scares. Yeah, the downside to that scene, though, is Kenzie and I don't go to movies a lot anymore in theaters. Unless we really, unless it's like a movie like this that we really want to see. Yeah, but it's it's been hard to go to a couple like scary movies because they were so, first off, we went on a Tuesday, so it was like half off, which I don't know. I mean, we thought it, it makes sense that it was so busy, but we thought maybe it wouldn't be being a Tuesday. Well, but this movie crap. came out like that Friday, too. Yeah, the whole theater was filled. We were like almost in the first three rows. Actually, we were in the first three rows. There were kids behind us. And it was like every time like a scary oh scene gosh. was about to happen, you'd, be, you'd hear it like behind you'd be like, oh, no. Oh, by like, like several people. Yeah, you get these like buildups and you're just like, oh, it's like there was almost like a. There's so much anticipation going into like jump moments that it like or like the jump scene would happen. And then like you could hear just like chatter about it for like a solid two minutes afterwards. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh, watch the damn movie. It's like if you went to like a haunted house and like someone's pointing out all the jump scenes like they're like, oh, there's a person right there. It's like, oh, well, you just ruined it for us, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, it was a PG-13 movie, so I feel like when you go to rated R movies, you don't get that as much. You get more of, like, a mature version of that, which I kind of, like, enjoy because I'm like, oh, I'm hanging out with, like, a bunch of people who are, like, into it, you know? 
the funny thing is, is, like, I was not like that when I was even, like, a preteen. When I was, like, 12 or 13, I guess I was 13 when I saw my first horror movie in theaters. I wasn't like that. But even now, I'm not, like, a loud person when I get scared. Like, mm-hmm. if I get, like, if I'm, like, getting anxious, like, something's gonna happen, something's gonna pop out, I'm probably gonna jump. Like, I don't like to jump. I like to jump if we're at home, but, like, in theaters, I like to, like, have a calm p- composure, you know? But... I get quiet when I'm, like, nervous. So, it's just funny that there's, like, those really loud people. I feel like people do it for attention more than anything. But it's always those, like, little girls that are like, oh my gosh, and you just can see them all bundling up together. Like, ah, I don't know. I don't get scared anymore, so maybe it just hits different. That was the best jump scare. Like, the demon thing crawling. This movie, I will say... Like, like I said, it's a little, like, the Insidious franchise is a little zany, you know? It's a little out there. It's a little cheese, you know? Like, the red-faced demon. I don't find him scary in all the other Insidious movies because, like you said, Darth Maul. Darth Maul? I'm not a Star Wars person. Yeah, it's Darth Maul. Okay. Um, that's who I think of. But in this, like, the first time you see him, like, his face, like, the way they did it this time around was so freaky. Like, it almost looked like... His face was on fire and, like, melting and burning and, like, blood, you know? Well, and that's because shortly after this scene, or before, I don't remember, um, the Dalton starts to remember that he can astral project. I think he does it accidentally at first, and then he kind of, like, he knows that he's got the talent for it. Chris helped him kind of, like, show him, like, oh, hey, there's this thing called this. Yeah. Here's these two guys. That part was funny with Specs and Tucker where they're like YouTubers, basically. Oh, yeah. Well, and so like in, in the first astral projection and the further, he he doesn't realize that the demon is there. It's almost like he misses the demon by like a fraction of a second trying to close the door into his dorm. Um, and then the second time he goes in, that's when like he sees it. And it's like there's just like mo- like the the scenes where he's chasing him. It's like, I don't know, they just did it a lot different this time a lot more intense like there's portions where like when you're i don't know that for example there's a scene and i want to say it's maybe at the very end the dad's running through a hallway in the college campus you know how like this is like such a stereotypical thing in scary movies but like you know that the bad guy or the demon or whatever is chasing from behind and you're like oh no they're right behind you and then the character like turns around to see if they're behind them and they're not there but then when they turn back in front of them they're right in front of them yeah all the time. That's like the most cliche thing ever. Well, there was a couple times where during the chase, he actually comes around the corner and he's like 12 feet behind him. And you can just see like the the like the yellow eyes, you know, mm-hmm. and that I thought was creepy. They did that a lot, though, with the jump scares. It wasn't like the traditional jump scares, like even where like stuff looks back. It would, like, put the jump scare in a different position, like, a different part well, of the yeah. person's vision. Well, like, the MRI scene, they really baited you into thinking when the the jump was going to happen. You knew it was coming. It was really, like, a slow build-up to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whenever you thought it was going to happen, it would be... Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you even, like, try to predict it. You're like, oh, it's going to happen when he... Or, like, you think... You know, when he looks up, you're not going to see it. But when he looks down, he's going to see it. Yeah. But then that doesn't even happen. It like and then it happens like, it. yeah, it's like it's like a reverse effect. It's like a reverse. It's like, a, I don't know. It's like using an Uno reverse card on top of an Uno reverse card. It's like, oh, people expect this to happen. So we're not going to do that. It's OK. It's like when he's in when Dalton's in that guy's room after he sees the puking demon thing and he goes under the bed and he can see the guy's feet and then he starts crawling out. You think the demon's going to pull him back under the bed like all the movies do, but then he's, like, right above him mm. and then pukes all over him, which is unsettling. Yeah. So, Dalton's definitely aware that he's seeing ghosts, um, so he's trying to... Uh, in fact, it, the the one that throws up on him is a kid that had passed away from, like a like, a crazy frat party, and so he goes into the further to see if he can find them to figure out why he keeps saying close the door and that's when he kind of realizes what's going on everything comes full circle at some point right he realizes that uh that he's you know he's being haunted by this demon thing he's got to close the door um you know the paintings are all making sense now isn't it weird that he went and looked for that demon for answers but he never finds him again like he never goes and sees him because when he attempts to then 
um, Chris was being attacked by a demon, so he had to get back to her. Right. So it's like we never got to know really what that guy meant by close the door. Yeah. Like, it almost would have made more sense if Josh's dad that was haunting him said that instead. Yeah, it, it, I totally agree. Because in, in the first Insidious movie, there's like a couple other ghosts outside of Darth Maul that don't really seem relevant. Like, they're kind of, it's almost like they're bugging the baby, the newborn baby um, mm-hmm. a lot, you know. And I don't know why, but the guy with the long sleek back hair, I always think of like a werewolf or something. Yeah. Whenever I see him and I'm just like, what's his purpose? Right. And I know that, um, Elise says like when you go into the further, they can, they crave life. And it's like, it's probably just a random demon that just wants also to get into the world. But like, I don't feel like that was enough of an answer. I like how that the dad, Josh in insidious three or insidious, uh, the red door is like, he has his own haunting by like his dad first. And then, you know, then you have, like, the haunting of, like, the kid in the frat house and stuff. Like, two completely irrelevant hauntings that are happening to them. Because they they have opened up the door through their, like, trauma and, like, trying to seek answers. Only to realize in the full circle that the dad is trying to help. The dad is trying to help Josh. Josh's dad. And he, like, you know, in the further, he gives him a box of possessions to kind of help him go in a certain direction, you know? I never thought of that, too, because I was just going to ask you, do you think the dad was trying to harm Josh? Because he, like, chases, he, like, pushes him and, like, chases him upstairs, but then it kind of makes sense he's trying to get him to go no, see the possession. It's it's only filmed that way to, to continue to scare us, but the dad had no ill intentions. Yeah. It's, you know, maybe... Maybe there's a, a such a barrier between the further and the real world that you have to be so like physically like masculine to do stuff because it's kind of like why 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 would the dad shove Josh into the closet? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a ghost thing. I don't understand. But he shoves him into the closet. But he gives him a box of stuff that he needs to go and seek out. That's when he goes to the library or whatever the archives and he starts looking for information. Uh, only to realize that his dad had the same gift that he did, and then he realizes that it's kind of a genetic thing. It's being passed down. Well, he found that box in the closet, so I think that's why he was pushed in the closet, because that's where he found it. No, it, like, knocked him out. It knocked him out in the further, and it Yeah, but then he back. woke up, and it was in the closet with him. Yeah, the dad put it in his hands. Okay. At least that's how I saw it. I don't know. I just thought it was, like, something Let's that was... about this. No, I just thought it was something stored in there, and, like, when he got pushed in there, it might have fallen on him or something. Just a way for him to get to it, you know? Sure. It's kind of like on The Sixth Sense where, like, the girl is under the bed and then she, you know, leads. Like, you think something's creepy going to happen, but she's just leading um, Cole's character to, like, the information about her to help set her free. You know, and and part of me thought after this movie, okay, why is the the frat dude, like, even relevant, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it seems like the further adjust to the life of the person right because the red door was in the house where dalton first got the the coma yeah but then they move out of that house into a new house and the red door is now at that new house well then he goes to the college and now the red door is at the campus so it's like an ever shifting world to accommodate the surroundings of wherever the real life person is right so i'm thinking that that's the closest ghost that could sense life and maybe that ghost was like, was like, you know, clinging on to, you know, trying to help him in some unique way. I don't know why he thought throwing up on him would help, but. I know. It's just a ghosty thing. I mean, they have to throw some like creepy stuff in. If all the ghosts in this movie were acting just normal and nice, then we wouldn't have a horror movie. Yeah. I thought it was cool that when Josh was looking into his dad's past and stuff, his dad was diagnosed as schizophrenic. And I feel like that fits perfectly in that time frame where modern medicine hadn't come as far as it has. And, like, the further is something you can't explain. I mean, Dalton was in a coma and they couldn't explain anything, you know? But I thought that was really cool because it'd be easy to slap that label on there. Like, oh, he's seeing things that aren't there. But, like, people don't understand the further. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, You know, and, and when the dad, Josh, is in the archives... 
Oh no no no! It's it's Dalton that ends up finding the information from Elise, right? Like a like a filming, or was it Josh? It was Chris. Chris brought the to tell him about astro projection. Oh yeah. So he watched the video of Specs and Tucker, and then it had the video of Elise, which was I feel like that was a way too for us to get Lynn Shay's character in the movie. Sure. Yeah, that's how he kind of like got more information, and then she looked familiar to him, you know. Well, and so it's almost like he's he's astral projecting just to like tinker around with it and then she she chris realizes that dangerous she encourages him not to do it you know and i think he's he knows that he's discovered something that's missing from his life from it so he insists on doing it so it kind of breaks their relationship temporarily and then this is about the time that the dad is like full on figuring out what's going on too so he goes to his ex-wife who gives him the full spiel and he's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is what's been missing. And then, like, at the same time, Dalton's confiding in his brother, who also had lost his memory from hypnotism. And, you know, he starts to remember that there's some weird things from their past, too. And so uh, it's about the time that all of them are trying to take some form of action. And I, I don't remember what happens. It's when the son comes home and uh, Josh is talking to his ex-wife. And then that's when they realize that Dalton's in the further. Mm-hmm. The only part of this is I feel like that was so rushed. Like, I feel like something else needed to happen there. I don't know if they sure. cut something, but it's like they went from, like, let me tell you all this stuff that happened to, like, Josh jumping right going into the further to save Dalton. But they hadn't really, like, heard unless, like, Chris called them somehow from, like, Dalton's phone to say, like, hey. Yeah, almost like he, like, Josh should have left the house and had, like, thought about it. Maybe the ex-wife, I forget her name, could have had some time to really, like, feel guilty about maybe, you know. She seemed at peace with the divorce because it's like she was, like, plagued by that past. And then I think that when when Josh realized what had happened and told her, like, well, we could have gotten through this as a family, you know, she could have really honed in on that and thought about it. I wish that they would have had her calling Dalton to, like, check in and make sure everything was okay. And then having Chris answer the phone and be like, he's been doing this. And then they're like, oh, crap, you know? Yeah. Then you jump into, like, Josh going into the further to search and make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like that part was pretty rushed. But I feel like in the first two movies, the further, everything that happened in the further was pretty rushed when it came to, like, the saving part, you know? Yeah, like big, big climax, like slow, slow build, big climax or fast climax. Yeah, like me and Peyton were talking after this about how cool it would be to see like more of like a prequel type movie, not with this family at all, but like more just about the further and like the ghosts that are trapped there and like how everything works. And well, you get almost like a full like the grandma that's stuck in the further, you know, you get like her his or her whole background. And it's like, you don't really get that with the demon who's like the main, like the Darth Maul demon, the most iconic thing there. Like the the ventriloquism stuff, like what's up with that, you know? The the whole second movie is like dedicated to um, like his backstory and everything. But yeah, you don't get the main demon and like his motivation and stuff. Like the other one makes sense because he wanted, like his childhood was taken from him so he like craved Josh's life, you know, like And oh. when you and you catch wind of that in the first movie, so it's like, you know, there's like there's a build into that, but yeah. there's not really like a like a premise behind why Dalton was chosen. I know. That I, mean, I can think of. It'd be so cool just to have like a whole prequel of like the further or even just not even a prequel, just like a whole separate thing of like everything that goes on there and like why people are trapped there and why some people can leave. Mhm. So movie's climaxing at this point, and Josh decides that he needs to go into the further to go find Dalton. And uh, that's when he finds Dalton, once again, chained up by Darth Maul. And Which I like the little nod. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like a like a creation of, of, you know, the first movie. You know what we forgot to talk about, though? Mm. The whole part where, um, for a minute, Dalton almost views his dad as the monster. Because he starts having those visions and remembers seeing his dad, you know, oh, with yeah, that hammer. Because and... he, he kind of goes back in the time like they did in the second movie. He can kind of go back in time. Yeah, and... and sees that whole scene in the basement play out. And he drew the picture and it was of his dad with the hammer and like that evil face. But then he connects the dots and everything that it like wasn't him. Yeah. 
So the dad comes in to try and rescue him. They both together try to, um, you know, escape the what's behind the red door and the demons chasing them. This is that scene where I'm pretty sure where they're running and the demon like comes around the corner. I'm like, holy crap. I know. But uh, Josh ends up closing the door and uh, he doesn't have the strength to hold it by himself. So uh, he insists for a second. This I thought maybe this was a rush scene. Um, it's like he insists that Dalton should help him hold the door. And Dalton just is so reluctant to do it. And then he just like runs away. And then Josh is like, I'm taking one for the team and I'm going to... Well, he ends. told Dalton to run. He said, get out of here. That's why Dalton left. Oh. I, I felt it like almost was... seemed like he was sacrificing himself, like how his dad did in the past, where his yeah, dad like, said, it ends with me. But, like, originally it seemed like he was like, help me hold the door or something, and then he was like, run. I swear I, that's what I happened. I don't know. Maybe he said that, but he for sure did say, um, like, get out of here. And then Dalton kind of did a pause, like you know like oh should i and then he leaves so when dalton leaves the the further it's almost like he realizes that his painting from the very beginning of his original art class was like a crux like it's that was the gateway and so he starts to kind of scribble over it uh or paint over it uh which ends up sealing the door and that ends up helping um you know josh not die from the demon and uh, i thought this was kind of a cool moment this is where like I don't know, like a lot of little nods to the further start happening for me because after this moment, it's like, well, Josh is saved, but now he's stuck in the further and he's just walking and he sees the box of his dad's belongings and he looks up and he sees his father and then his father turns into a lantern. So it's almost like right at that moment, it made me think that uh, Elise explains the further as a place that lost souls are tortured you know, and I think like these demons are that's like their world to move freely and to to torment an unfinished business. Yep. But I feel like the good spirits like Elise are are the lanterns because it's like they, they walk into the further and it's like a like almost like a dark replication of the real world. But it's like where these lanterns come from, like whoever thought to put lanterns in there and why are they even there to begin with? And it's almost like they're the they're like the souls of good people almost because it's like the dad like transforms into a lantern and that's the first time you see that that i'm aware of Mm -hmm. unless that's in the third or fourth one no i really liked that and so i thought that was kind of cool and that helps him uh you know find his way back to you know the real world which then he realizes that everything's chill and safe and yeah and And then the part that peyton cried at so you teared up in, in the closing moments, uh, it fast forwards a period of time and Josh is leaving um, his ex-wife's house and he's talking about maybe the next time they're going to, you know, he's going to help the kids out with a ride. And she's like, well, maybe you should come earlier and stay for dinner. So that kind of hints that they're going to rekindle their relationship for a split second. I thought Josh was dead or something because as he's walking away from the house, Elise starts talking to him. And this is when you think like, oh, here's the lead into the next one. Yeah. But it's just like a closure scene. He doesn't really fully recognize her like he knows of her, but he doesn't realize that she's like a spirit um, just chatting with him. And Elise is just getting some final uh, resting words and just like, I'm proud of you. Like, keep you're doing the right thing. Keep keep the direction that you're going. And then that scene ends. And then he ends up walking into the dorm of Dalton's room and uh at the very beginning of the movie um I mean obviously you've seen this at this point but the dad was like oh I guess I didn't make the wall it's like there was like a a painting of all the family members or like different paintings that resembled family members and the dad had nothing to do with it and then it's like a perfect painting of like the dad holding him when he was a little kid when they're trying to leave the further together because it's like they gone full circle. Um, you know, he realized that it was out of his dad's control uh, of everything that had happened to inflict harm on the family. And the dad was like really doing his best lost in that world to try and save him. And so like it was just like a like a moment of retribution for the for Josh. And it was just really cool, like to see their relationship rekindled through that painting. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like. It's kind of cliche sometimes. People always say, like, a picture's worth a thousand words. I feel like that painting 
was worth a thousand words. And I, I don't know. Like, I just, like, in the movie just ends right there. And I look at Peyton, he's like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, crying. Oh, uh, yeah, I got a little teary-eyed, I'll be honest with you. I like heartwarming moments like that. I'm a softie for that. But it was cool. Like, it just, it was just the perfect closure for that movie. It didn't have, like, a stupid little hint of a of a next one. Yeah, and I don't it, see them doing and it. And it didn't have to. Like, this, this movie ended the exact way that it was supposed to. So, like, in the grand scheme of things... Yes, it may have had rushed moments, but I thought that the comic relief that Chris added to the character development of Dalton was really welcomed. Josh's confusion was a little annoying at times, but, you know, I, I get it. That's probably how it would be in real life. But the, like, the jump scare, this had the, the perfect amount of closure, and, like, yeah, it was rushed a little bit here and there, but character development was fine. And I just think that it was like a, I don't know, like it really built up with between two movies. And then we had two movies that were completely irrelevant to the storyline in between that only for this one to end, which probably made it feel more powerful. But yeah, that painting, that was like, that was a really cool ending. And I don't think they could have made that at least that final cutscene any better. Yeah, and that's why I think they couldn't go back and make another movie based off the Lambert family because it would just be repetitive. And that was such a solid, good, heartfelt, like, moment. It would take away from that, you know? It was cool because this was Patrick Wilson's debut as a director, so he directed this movie. And I really liked how dark this movie was. Like, I feel like, like I said in the beginning, the first two movies, like, there's some cheesy elements. Like, I don't feel like, there was some stuff that freaked me out. And it was, like, the minor stuff, like, the little dancing boy when you see him for the first time. That freaked me out. I didn't get scared of, like, the Darth Mole guy behind Maul, behind Josh's head and stuff. But then, like, when the cre- when he was, like, pointing at Dalton in um, Josh's mom's dream, that freaked me out. But this movie, like, all the spirits were a million times creepier. Like, the way they were crawling out under the bed in the dorm to get to Chris, like, super creepy. And the red-faced demon was so much scarier. You know what's really random that I'm thinking about it? Do you remember in the first Insidious when Josh's mom explains to him that he had had hauntings and it's like the pictures had like the old lady Mm -hmm. and them and stuff. But after she's explaining that scene, she looks over to Josh and then the red face demon is right behind her. wonder why they chose the red face demon for that and not the grandma. That's true. Like that would have made more sense for that because it's like the red face demon was in possession of Dalton at that point. Maybe that's why, because he was getting closer to Dalton. And she was talking about that dream that she had where she saw that figure in Dalton's room. She asked what it wanted and it pointed at Dalton. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I see, I, I'm, I'm like forgetting really detailed moments for some reason between these three. No, movies, but, that, but that makes sense. But yeah, I think he did really good at directing this one. And you could tell that it had a little bit different tone, but like still very familiar and I was so happy that we got the tiptoe song. I was like, they better play tip-toe. that. And they had like another rendition, like a song from like, is it like Tiny Tim or something like from him? Um, I just like love like creepy songs like that, that aren't necessarily meant to be creepy. But like anytime you hear those songs, you're like instantly you think of Insidious every time. I saw this TikTok where these two girls brought these guys home for like a one night stand and they wanted to get rid of them the next day. So they said the best way to get rid of guys in the morning, you put a speaker under the be- their bed and then they blast that song while they're sleeping. <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Yeah, but this one was really good. I really liked it. And Insidious Chapter 2 has been my favorite. This beat my Insidious Chapter 2. I'm pretty sure we both gave it a 5, right? Mm-hmm. Solid five out of five. Yeah, I don't like even with a five, I don't think I really could have critiqued this movie to be different. I, I thought it was just fine for what I saw. Yeah, it's like uh, the despite what mix. the critics think. I think people just went into this with too high of expectations just because it had been so long in between the movies. And so I think people were just expecting a lot more. And I think the main critique I've heard is people don't like that the story like the majority of it is their memories and them trying to remember it's like we already know what happened in the first two movies but they don't and they're trying to remember but i liked that i liked knowing what what, like happened in the past and watching them like piece things together yeah it gives you like anxiety like you're 
you're anxious for them to finally figure it out so they can, you, you know. And they're getting closer each time and you're like, oh, you're so close. Yeah. Just like, keep going. But I liked that. Um, I don't know what else they really could have done if they didn't do that. I mean, maybe spend more, more time further in the scenes. further. Yeah, but, but still. Like what kind of story? Like I feel like it needed that like there's weird stuff happening or else it's just going to be like repetitive if one of them's stuck in the further again and they're trying to save them like the entire movie it just it's I, the same thing i do agree with like uh, i was it the the chris guy I, I don't think i i must have overheard this because i know for sure i don't watch him but he was talking about the um what is it like dick dalton or something whatever his name is oh it was like that big dick nick or a little dick nick guy that was in like the frat house yeah like the frat house leader like his character was completely pointless like they could have just gone into the frat house and maybe they were just partying and they could have just gone into a room like but his like put individual character was completely unnecessary honestly the whole frat house thing was unnecessary i think it just was added because they're at a college so it's like oh another setting that we can go to and have creepy stuff happen you know but like even with the guy that dalton comes across like they're it really didn't add much to the story. Like like we said, he didn't go... He tried to go back to get questions answered from that guy, but it didn't happen. So it's kind of like, that was kind of unnecessary. I feel like something else could have haunted Dalton. Yeah. There's, like, so many other things. Like, he could have got haunted by maybe the old lady or something since his dad was being haunted by other stuff before. But I don't know. I think don't listen to the negative comments because I almost let them get to me. I'm like, oh, like I'm going to go in and just expect this to be horrible. But it really isn't. This movie's really good. Just keep your expectations neutral and just enjoy it for what it is. For sure. I think I gained the most I could out of it because of that. Yeah. Head over to our Instagram and let us know which Insidious movie you liked the most. Let us know if number three and four are worth watching because i mean i love these three that we've talked about so i'm like do i want to go watch those other ones just to get more knowledge maybe they give you more knowledge of the further and everything but i kind of feel like they're like the um, paranormal activity it's like the first three are the same family a little bit in the fourth it has a little bit but then you got like all the random ones that have nothing to do with it anymore um but that was our spoiler review I'm trying to think of the next movie that will be spoiling. Like, I feel like October won't be... I feel like we won't be watching movies in theater until October. And by then, like, our podcast is going to be ending at the end of that month. So, I guess we will see. Yeah, I'm not sure. But everybody have a fun Tuesday. If you haven't seen Insidious, The Red Door, go check it out. Totally worth it. Don't go on a Tuesday, even though it's half off. Just don't do it. And with that being said... Cue outro music. Music.